My name is Alex. I'm the, uh, the pastor here, and we're so glad that you've joined us uh, this morning. And we're kicking off a new series, like Pablo mentioned, called uh, The Generous Life. And I want to start this series. We're going to be on this the next few weeks. But I want to start this series by, by doing an informal survey. So do I have your participation? Are you guys with me on this? <laughs> so the three of you who are ready, please be as loud as possible. Okay, so... Um, you're, you're going to see some kind of questions on here, and, and it starts with a tally. So if you've got a program, all of you should have had a program. If you don't, raise your hand. We'll make sure we get one to you. You should have a pen that's attached to that. And I just want you to make a little tally mark on some things that I ask you, okay? So in the last two weeks, here's the question. In the last two weeks, it's up here on the screen. How much time do you think about these things? I said a week, but let's make it two weeks, okay? Here's the first thing. Bills, debt, Having enough money at the end of the month, frustration over your stuff that breaks, comparison of your stuff with others, or regret over a purchase. So in the last two weeks, have you thought of any of those? Zero is I haven't thought of any of them. Six is I've thought about every single one. Okay, so take just like 10 seconds, tally your score, zero to six. You guys got your tally? On the count of three, I want you to yell out your number. You guys ready? This is going to be awesome. One, two, three. Let's pray. We're done. So glad you guys joined us today. Okay. All right. So you guys each have your own score. I heard some sixes, and then I heard a bunch of, ah! I heard that. Okay. Um, Next, next survey. So now it's a new number, new tally. Okay. How much or how many of you would like this to describe you? So here's some characteristics. How many of you would like this to describe you? Let's look at it. Joy-filled, compassionate, caring, thoughtful, prepared, alert, selfless, sensitive, humble, positive, empathetic, helpful, listening, responsive. Okay. So how many of these characteristics would you like to describe yourself? There's 14, so your score is either zero to 14. If you yell zero, we all will know. <laughs> okay, so tally, tally up, zero to 14. So this is what you would like to describe you. Not necessarily this is you, but what would you, you would like to describe you. Okay, on the count of three, I want you to yell out your tally for that, okay? One, two, three. Okay, I, I got a one. I saw that. Some 14s. Okay, now, if I were to do this differently, this second question, how many of you, if you tallied and it describes you now, what would your score be? So not what you would like, but how many on this list describes you now? Tally that. I hit you, I'm hitting you hard right, on the, right off the get-go here. You have that number? I'm not going to make you yell that. Aren't I so nice, right? I'm not going to do that. But it's a little different, probably how much describes you now versus how much you would like it to describe you. 
I think all of us would agree we want 14. Whether that describes us currently or not may be a different number. But go, go back to the first list. So you see this. We spend a lot of time on these things, right? I think all of us agree. There's things that we have. There's bills. There's debt, financial pressures, things that break, comparison. All of this consumes us. Would you agree with that? Some weeks are maybe better than others, but we think about it a lot. The question is, you guys hear that? This is part of the exercise. This is all part of the survey. And three, they're going to run. No, I don't, I don't know what that is. I, I hope we're okay. <laughs> I think it's wheeling something. But uh, we spend a lot of times thinking of these things. But how, how many would you say when you think of these things, does it add to the characteristics that you hope describe you? So go back to that next list. Does thinking of bills and debt and comparison and stuff that break, does this end up leading to these characteristics? No. But have you ever noticed the very thing that we want, we tend not to think about? And that's how it is with money. That's how it is with our possessions, with materialism. It consumes us, but when we look at our thoughts and how much we think about it, how much does it actually add to the quality of our life? If we're honest, we realize we spend a lot of time thinking about stuff that actually just stresses us out, causes us to compare, causes us to struggle, weighs us down. And that's what this series is all about. How do we, in the middle of the things that consume us and that kind of garner our thoughts and get our attention, how much of that actually leads to a better quality of life? Because if you're like me, you start taking a step back and say, well, why am I spending so much time consumed with it? Why am I taking so much time thinking about it? Stressing over it if I'm no better person. In fact, I'm actually worse. So this series is how, with God's help, can we think about money and possessions and our resources differently through the lens of generosity? And here's where I want to start. Here's kind of the the initial idea of, of why we tend to think about these things like money and bills and debt and all that stuff is I believe that we're all treasure hunters, we're going to go on a treasure hunt this morning. Wouldn't that be awesome? We're not. I'm sorry. You guys were excited for a second. But we're all treasure hunters. Ever since we're kids, you know, there's just stuff we like. We like playing hide and seek. We like to hide stuff. We like all this stuff. But as adults, we, we actually have that same mindset. We're looking for something of value, just like a treasure hunter would, just like a pirate. They're looking for something of value that's going to change their life. And we're the same. There's things that we think if we get it's going to make our life increasingly better. And most of the time, it's if we get more money, life will be better. If we get more stuff, life will be better. If we get accumulation of all these treasures, our life will be better. We're all these treasure hunters. But if you're like me, what you find is sometimes the treasure that you're hunting after, you realize is not valuable until you get it. You guys remember like chocolate coins when you were a kid? You guys ever have those? Right here, right? See, when you're a kid, you actually would prefer that there's chocolate than actually if this was like real money, right? Like this is a win if you're a kid. Like I don't want money. What am I going to do with that? I'm just going to lose it. But a chocolate, I can eat. Problem is when we become adults, through our pursuits and the things that we're aiming for, we end up getting all these treasures that we think are treasures, and in the end, they're just chocolate coins. They're here, and then they're gone. And they don't really taste that good. I've never had a chocolate coin where I'm like, that, that's the best chocolate I've ever had. 
right? It's not that great. The best part of it is the gold wrapper. And that's how it is with this pursuit of money, the pursuit of treasure, the pursuit of materialism. It's, it looks shiny, it looks promising, but in the end, it's just something that isn't that satisfying. In fact, it may lead a bad taste in your mouth. Now, Jesus, he knew that people were on this treasure hunt. They're on this earth, they're looking for something of value. They're putting their energy to something just to try to find, how can I find meaning? How can I find purpose? And we end up on this pursuit of through work and through gaining more and more things like this is gonna define me. This is gonna add value to my life. And it was the same in Jesus' day as it is today. We're all these treasure hunters and we have been throughout history looking for something, that sparkly thing that's gonna get our attention and change our life. And Jesus put it like this as he was witnessing this pull in the hearts of people. He says this in Matthew chapter six. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth, moth, sorry, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he's seeing this pursuit of people He's seeing the emptiness, the disappointment, people pursuing all sorts of things to gain their own treasure. And he came to this earth to say, people, look, you can gain this treasure. You can have a big pile of it, whatever it is, whether it's your status, whether it's your bank account, your retirement fund, your job. You can gain all these treasures, but in the end, it will not last. Now, he uses this imagery of a moth, but do you guys remember what like moths do if they get in your clothes? What do they do? They like eat holes in your, in your clothes. It's this picture of you may have something that you think will make you look so much better, but in the end, it's, it's, it's a facade. It's just full of holes. And the, it's the opposite. It actually makes you look worse. And he talks about rust, and we, we've experienced these, the things of breaking down something that you liked. I remember I had a Toyota Tacoma that I was able to buy, and it was like my first new vehicle I ever got. And it was beautiful. I don't think you guys believe me. Like, it was. It was silver. It was my own. I was just getting married. It was like, you know, I'm getting married. I've got my own truck, and life was, you know, together. And I was at a Monday night football event with some friends of mine at, like, a pizza place, and I'm backing up, and I hear a crunch. You ever backed up and you hear a crunch? And you think like, whoa, what was that? And you really start to run the scenario. It's like, oh, no, I think that was me. And thankfully, I didn't hit a car, but I hit a post, one of those big old concrete posts that has a light pole on it. And I hit that, and my bumper was dented, and it was just a bumper, and it, and it, it just had this dent on the left side. And at that moment, I didn't, I thought, I don't want it anymore. You ever had that? Like, where you just dent it, and you're like, Pfft. I don't even want it. Then I started to think, what if I reversed and did the other side to match it? Because, <laughs> you, know, you know, different bumpers, they have these, like, kind of contoured edges. And I was like, what? Thankfully, I didn't do that. But I had that thought, like, well, if I messed it up more, it would actually look better. But that, that just bothered me so much. And I think that's how life is. It's like, man, you get something, and no matter how much you like it, if it's something material, it does not stay the same. Even the best built, 
Even if it doesn't break down, I'm going to do stuff that will break it down. And that's, that's what Jesus is picking up on. And so he's saying, you know, that there's got to be more. There's an author and a pastor who's written some helpful perspective on, on money and this, this pursuit that we all find ourselves in. And he, he wrote a book called The Treasure Principle. And he summarized Jesus' words and he says this, my heart always goes where I put my money. And it's, it's this picture of where you put your money. It's like you're sending your heart to that thing. And so if it's in the obtaining a, a big house and trying to get that, it's like your heart is there and you, you've sent it away. If it's to get that new car, you, you've sent it away. If it's to get that just bank account balance that you want in a certain, you, you've sent it away. And it's this idea of we're always sending our heart. We're always sending it. And wherever our money is going, our, our heart is, is right there. So Jesus is saying, it's like, pay attention to this, because depending on where you put it, you may be putting your heart into something that will deteriorate. And as that deteriorates, your heart deteriorates. As it rusts, your heart rusts. So Jesus is saying, is be, be careful, pay attention to this. We all know this experience, but it's really hard to change because we're all treasure hunters. So here's the next thought. This is what Jesus came to talk about, to compel people. He notices and he gives these, these you know, lessons that he's teaching to people, like don't be careful where you put your treasure. And in a different place in Scripture, I'm going to share in a moment, he, he gives a parable, a lesson that he wants people to kind of chew on and, and, and gain. So we're going to spend some time. But here's what Jesus thought. There's more to life than earthly treasure. So we're all on a treasure hunt but there's more to life than earthly treasure. So what Jesus came and what he taught was that you just change the treasure that you're hunting. You change the treasure that you're hunting. We're all on this treasure hunt, but there's more to life than earthly treasure. Now, it's October, Halloween is coming up. How many of you guys would say, like, when you were younger, you were, like, really big into the trick-or-treating scene? Like, this was your thing. Some of you? I'm kind of, dis- that was a little disappointing. The rest of you, what, you just stayed home or what? Like, okay. I, I always remember uh, trick-or-treating, and then you get to that age where, like, you're, each door, people are looking at you a little different, the older you get. How many of you guys experienced that? Where you kind of, you know that you're past that age, but you're like, you know what, what are they going to do? And what they do is they give you that, like, little snake, you know, that, like, Really? You know, at the points like you graduate into pillowcases, like you're that sophisticated, you know how to get more candy, it's probably you're too old. That was me. It was junior high. But I remember thinking like, you know, trick-or-treating is the greatest thing to a kid that you've ever heard. Because one, you actually have permission to talk to strangers. So you're kind of living on the edge. You know, you're never allowed to do that. But on October 31st, you can. Then you get to dress up, which I hated dressing up. The material always stunk. You ever notice that? I was a pirate, and it just was like the worst-smelling material. Guys, I'm just getting this off my chest. I haven't even talked about this before. This smells, I just got to get this off my chest. And, you know, you have a mask, and you're just smelling just weird stuff, and you're sweating, and you guys, you know, you've been there. We all experienced this. And you're just doing it, right, for the candy. That's the only thing you're doing. And then you dump it out on the table, and you immediately, you're just like, Tootsie roll, tootsie roll, tootsie roll, trash. Tootsie roll, tootsie roll. <laughs> Come on, guys. 
if you like Tootsie Rolls, I'm going to talk to you afterwards, but why do they even exist, right? <laughs> they always find your way in your Halloween bag. Or like the generic that you, you don't, you know, you don't, here, I, I have a little guide for us. This, this, this is a freebie today. This is the uh, kid's guide to Halloween candy. All right. This is called the Cheapy McCheat Face. They can't put the name brand because I think they'll get sued. This is Chalkies, but we all know what it's really called. Starts with an S, okay? Or a bubble. Actually, I like that. They're a little off on that one. After five seconds, I don't, but for those five seconds, okay? So anyway, if, you know, you're handing it out, the party pooper, raisins, I love it, a, a toothbrush. But we, we, I, I, I'm a product of the 80s. We went through a phase where your, your parents were like, there's drugs in every bag. I'm going to search through it all, which I think was just the parents wanting to get your candy. We've got to search. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, those are always poisoned. <laughs> no, those, those are on the legends, right? It's not a Reese's, it's a yeses. Yeses. But this, this is the guide. But we all, we all know, it's like, okay, if we get the cheapy McCheap face or the party pooper, it's, let's do another round. November 1st, let's just see what's left over. Now, as adults, it actually is the same thing, but instead of one day, this is what life is. We wake up, and we keep, with our bags, we keep just, like, fill fill it up with something worthwhile. And instead of candy trash, uh, we end up with with bills. We end up with debt, and we're just, like, wanting something worthwhile. But in the end, we're, we're getting the exact opposite. We're getting more and more baggage. We're getting more and more stress, all for the pursuit of money, of materialism. And we want these, these treasures, and it's just like we're kids again, and we look, and we're just like, man, that was, that was a waste. Because there's more than earthly treasure. We have to get off this merry-go-round of this adult trick-or-treating, trying to pursue something. And so here, here's my premise. The escape of this earthly treasure pursuit, the escape of that, is to move from a treasure hunter of earthly things to become a generous giver. To escape that feeling and that emptiness and that grind, you can't keep doing the same things you've always done. And you can't keep looking at this materialism, looking at this checkbook, looking at your bank account and thinking that is going to give me value. If it doesn't give you value now, if it never has, it, it won't just if you add to it. Why? Because money is not a person you can't have a relationship with it. It does not love you back. You ever realize that about money? You can't hang out with money. It's not going to, like, hey, let's go to the movies together. You spend it, and you're alone. But we tend to just see this money as something that's going to give back to us, but it's, it has no heart. It doesn't care about us. Now, we need it. We do need it to live, but there's a, this obsession that we have, and this relationship that we want to have where we're like, you're going to give me value. You're going to give me meaning. You're going to give me purpose. And money's just, I don't do that. You send me to a store and I buy stuff. That's what money does. And so we have to take this shift. Okay, this earthly treasure hunt, that's, that's not the pursuit. And the pursuit that, that Jesus calls us to is, is stop that search, stop that grind, and become somebody who is a generous giver. So it's that, that shift of the consumption, the getting, the obtaining to now, okay, what, what do I do with what I have? And how do I extend it? 
think all of us, like when we think of money and all this stuff, we just want to clench our fist and just tighten our grip around it. And, and Jesus is saying, that, that, you do that, that's all you have. You have a clenched fist and a lot of pain. If you begin to unclench your fist and let go of all those things that you think are going to give you meaning and you allow Jesus to have access to your resource, and you allow Jesus to have access to your meaning and your sense of purpose, your life begins to change. And Jesus always taught on this. And it's not a materialism issue. It's not a spending issue. It's actually more than anything, it's a heart issue. It's our heart. Because we keep doing what our heart tells us to do, our desires, our longings. The treasure hunt sends us that way because our heart sends us that way. So Jesus taught this, change the heart, change the life. And I want to share this uh, kind of episode where, where Jesus is encountering some people and some people ask him some questions. And this is usually what Jesus did. People asked him some questions. They had an agenda for him. Jesus, we hear you're powerful. Some say you're the son of God, you're the Messiah. Some say you're a great teacher. Some, whatever it is they say, like, I have a problem. Maybe you can help me. And so for most people, they've maybe tried all sorts of different things. They've talked to religious leaders. they maybe tried talking to their family. They're trying all their own experience, and they get to the point where, like, it's not working. I'm going to just track this guy down, Jesus. Because people are talking about he's helped them. He's healed them. He's given them insight that they've never heard before. And so the crowds followed him wherever he was to gain some insight, to figure out, is this for real? Is he genuine? Is he who he says he is? And I want to share this interaction and kind of take you to this path where Jesus goes with a group of people. This is in Luke chapter 12. Now, I'm going to kind of break this up a little bit. So some of you, I know when you have this, how many of you just want to read the whole thing? It's hard, right? Like if I stop, can you just read? So just bear with me. I might stop and not read it, but the whole thing, I'll get to it though. So it says this, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now you got to appreciate the boldness of this person. Hey, Jesus, tell him to give me money. You're you're powerful. People have a lot of respect for a lot of what you say. Can you tell him? Quick fix. Lots of problems, but quick fix. How many can you relate to that? Lots of problems, but we want a what? Quick fix, especially when it comes to money. Jesus, just give me a million. People say more money gives more problems, but... I don't believe it, right? Just, this is the same vein. Just lots of problems, quick fix. Tell my brother to divide it. And then he, Jesus says, but, but he said to the man, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? So he's just saying, you really want me to get involved in this problem you have in your life? And what he's saying is, if I fix this and tell him to do that, you, you haven't learned anything. You maybe don't have that same problem, but your heart is still the same. Again, change the heart, change the life. So Jesus never was into quick fixes. That's what we want, but that's not what Jesus wants. He wants us to actually change. So he's like, that's not my role. I'm not here to meddle in your affairs and get involved in this drama. And then he goes on and he says this. He said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, this word right now, or right here, is, is 
the, that idea of, of coveting. It's, it's where somebody has something that you want. And in that beginning where it says, how many times have you spent comparing? It's, it's the, kind of the root of that. Like somebody has something that you want. They have it, you don't. And you just think, I, I deserve what they have. Why do they have it? And I don't, and it kind of leads to these feelings of it's unfair. Have you ever thought that? Like, really? Like, somebody has something, and you're like, that's not fair. I should, I should be able to get that. As adults, we do that so easily without even realizing it. You ever find yourself, you know, your thoughts just get into that, that jealousy realm, that comparing realm, and you, before you even realize it, you're all worked up over something? Send me a, what are you thinking about? And you're like, I would freak you out if I told you. But I'm down this road of a drama that I've just created. <laughs> Goes inside our ears, and it's just rattling around. And, and Jesus is saying, like, we, you know, all of you are going to deal with this, this jealousy, this comparison, noticing what other people have, and you're going to want it. And he's saying the abundant life, the good life, the full life does not come from there. It doesn't come from quick fixes. It doesn't come from focusing on the wrong thing. And then he, then he goes on. It says, and he told them a parable. So now he's saying, okay, I told you the role I'm going to play. I can't fix this. I told you where the abundance life isn't found. It's not found in coveting and being jealous and focusing on other people's stuff. And then he shifts gears. But I will tell you a story. Anytime you see Jesus speaking about a parable, that word there is, is this it's idea of it's a story with a lesson. You're listening to a story, but it's not just the narrative that you're like, oh, that was an interesting story. Jesus wants you to take note, pay attention. Draw some lessons from it. Apply it to your life. Ask some questions. Can you relate to any of those characters? Does this speak to you? Does this challenge you? That's the idea of the parable. He wants you to kind of begin to get in that, that heart. Think of those things. And he told them a parable saying this, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Now, if I were to start the survey that I started and read this, how many of you would say, like, that sounds like a good life? That sounds amazing. You guys are afraid to say it. The guy has so much stuff, he's got to build stuff to put his stuff in. When you read this, you should say like that, I'd like to experience that problem, right? There's a part of you that like, this appeals to me. It probably appeals to you. Now this, like, what do you want to do this weekend? I'd like to relax. I'd like to eat. I'd like to drink and, you know, just be merry. That's just a great word. We say it all at Christmas all the time, but like, what if that was your life always? What are you doing? I'm just being merry at home. (laughs) Just got a lot to eat kind of full, relaxing. Doesn't this sound like what we want to live for? Right? We work, we get through the stress, and we hope for this. If you're to value your weekend, you value it on that. If you're to value your life, you value it on this. How much time are you getting to yourself? How much time are you feeling good? How much time, you know, the good life, the bad life. So Jesus, he's, he's pulling them all in. There's this character. And we want to be like this character. We want what he has. And so Jesus, he does that. He pulls your heart in. 
Do you think Jesus is done? Did he say, all right, guys, so go relax, go eat, go drink, and be merry? Merry Christmas. You don't know what that is, but you will. And he didn't say that, okay? It goes on. But God said to him, fool. So now reality enters. This man is living his life independent of God. He's got his plans. He's got his resources. He's got his buildings that he's adding to hold his resources. He's enjoying his life. And then God enters the scene. Gets his attention. Reminds him, I've always been here. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you've prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So could you imagine all the people like they were liking this story, tracking, okay, Jesus, tell me how I can get to be this man. I want to be like him. All of us can relate to that. It sounds like the good life. But this man was just on the same treasure hunt that all of us are on, looking for purpose, looking for value. And if we're not careful, we do that independently of God. The reality is God is watching. And throughout this series, we're going to talk about the role that God plays and we play in this interaction of the pursuit of the treasures that we hunt for. And what God says to this man is, Your life is wrapped up right now. Everything that you've stored, everything that you've hoped would be is no longer going to happen. And Jesus' point is this. If that was the value of your life, getting to enjoy all these things that you've gathered and now built something else to gather more, if that was what your life's all about, everything that gave you meaning is gone. It's over. And you have nothing to show for it. So Jesus' point is you can be rich towards yourselves. You can be on this earthly treasure hunt, but if you're not rich towards God, it ends with your life. The moths destroy it, it breaks down, and the rust takes over. Jesus' hope is that this this puts some tension in our heart. It causes some uncomfortable feelings of like the pursuit that we're on, the values that we have, the good life, and how we've pictured it. And Jesus is saying, I I want your attention here. I want you to focus because if that's all that you have, all it takes is the absence of that and you're empty. All it takes is your life to dwindle, for your health to deteriorate, and you can't even enjoy it, and it's empty. And so there has to be something more. And I want to close with this question because it says right here at the end, if you go back to that passage, So is the one, so the empty is the one, and nothing to show for his life is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And so the next question, which you just saw, how can we be, how can we be rich towards God? How does that work? What does that look like? What does that mean? How can we be rich towards God? Here's what this series is all about. You may not be here but you can start here. And it begins with this, it changed my heart, changed my life. That's what Jesus wants to do. And so it begins with this, ask God for a new heart that beats to be generous. In other words, ask God to lead you 
on a different treasure hunt, a treasure hunt that you do not know. And when Jesus came, he talked again and again about his kingdom, the kingdom of God and what it's like and what it's not like. And when Jesus came, he was always pointing that there is something that you've not seen, that you've not experienced. It's not of this world. It's the kingdom of God. It's something that is powerful beyond you and beyond space and time, but you can tap into it if you turn and you follow me. And it's the same for us today. We can ask God for a new heart. The new heart comes as we decide to follow him. That's what it means to become a Christian, to make Jesus the Lord of your life and your Savior. It's this idea of like, my heart has been beating for the pursuit of my own treasure, and you get to the point where you realize the treasure I've been pursuing is empty. As I look at it, it's like sand through my fingers. I cannot grab a hold of it, and I have nothing to show. It takes a real honest and humble person to get to that point, but that's actually what Jesus requires. We get to the point where we're willing to say, the treasure hunt I'm on is not the treasure hunt that's given me the fulfillment that I long for, the purpose, the meaning. So Jesus says, if you turn to me, I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a new life, and it will beat for something beyond this world where moths can't destroy it where rust will not tamper with it, and no one can take it from you. So he's calling the people forward, and he's calling us forward to the same thing. Proverbs 11.25 says this, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. A year and a half ago when we started Ridgeview Church, this was a theme verse for our church. And some of you have heard our mission statement, but our mission statement is, to invite people to experience refreshing life in Christ. And this is the verse that we got that from. It's this idea of if you pursue Christ, you can find refreshment that you've never known. And as you break this passage down, it's counterintuitive. We want to prosper, and so we get on this treasure hunt just like the Halloween bag, and we just start piling everything in there. And then we open the bag, and it's just disappointing. So what the Proverbs is saying is, is actually the person who's not consumed with just getting more and more and more, but realizes that there's more to life than just consumption. You will prosper. You will be blessed. And it's the same. That those that just want refreshment, you don't get refreshment by demanding it from people. Somebody came and he's like, I need you to refresh me right now. You're a little concerned. Um, okay, there's plenty of Krispy Kremes back there. That's a good start. Then that leads to regret, so that doesn't work either, right? <laughs> but it doesn't work like that. You can't demand somebody refreshes you. That's the opposite. So a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. That's the road of the generous life. You actually flip it. Everything you think will give you what you want that you've known since you were born is is actually not the way. There's a kingdom outside of this earthly shell that we know, and Jesus calls us towards it. Remember those characteristics I talked about that you wanted, and I think most of you said 14? These are actually the characteristics of a generous person. 
Think about the people that you know that are really generous. They've interacted with you as you've talked with them, as you've seen what they do with their resources. Wouldn't you say this describes them? A truly generous person is filled with this kind of joy because they love sharing with others. They're compassionate. They pay attention. This is the kind of person that we all want to be. It's the characteristics of a generous person. And so over the course of this series, what I want to look at as a church is how do we become this type of people? How do we internalize this and ask Jesus, we want to become this kind of a person? And then as a church, we want to become this type of a church. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at that. And so I want to give you a, a series preview of where we're going to be heading. Next week, we're going to talk about generous God. The great thing with generosity is it did not originate with us. It wasn't our idea. God himself is generous. It's his idea. And so as we look to him, that's how we can become a generous person. So that's October 27th. Uh, The next week after that is entrusted. So he's a generous God, and since he's generous, he gives us things. And if he gives us things, then what does that mean to have things that are given from God? What do we do with that? That's what we're going to look at that week. Uh, The week after that, the 10th, surrender. How do we get to the point where we're actually willing to ask the question, okay, God's generous, he's given me things. How do I get to a point where I'm willing to do what he says? I'm willing to to keep my hand open. The things that he's entrusted me, I'm I'm willing to surrender it back. What what does that look like? And then we're going to close the series talking about lasting joy. The idea of, is it really blessed or more blessed to give than to receive? Can we really prosper if we're generous? Can we refresh others and be refreshed? We're going to look at those in that that last week. And so I I hope you, you come back. I hope this has caused you to ask some questions about your own treasure hunt that you're on. And I want to just tell you this. Start, start where you are. There's, there's, these are generalizations, but there's kind of three places where we are related to our finances. Here, here's the first thing. Where am I? First thing is, are you struggling? I think there's a, a pick here. Where am I? Am I struggling with finance? So is this, you know, I can relate to this because who even has change anymore? Women, they have change because they got purses. You need change, find a woman with a purse. Okay? Sorry, guys, I just alienated you. If you have change, you're, you're, that's good. It's more about me than you, okay? I don't have, I don't have change. But I, I've been here. I'm just, this guy's actually sometimes got more going. He's got actually money. Some of us, we just our head down, and it's just like nothing. And then, you know, those are credit cards. I've, I've looked like that before. But sometimes it's like, what do I do with all these? Maybe a little more excited than that person. Uh, so we're struggling. You may be there. That's okay. You may be stable. Go to the, the next one there. There's a pick here too. This one's just, you know, you're just, bam, it's all in line. You're just on track. You track everything. You stay on top of it. You're the type of person, if you spend anything, you're in that car just tracking everything. Some of you are trackers. Some of you guys are just, you track once a year. And then the next year, you're like, I'm going to track better. And then every year, you say that. 
You're like the hibernate, you know, just throw it all in the hibernation cave and just pull it out eventually. This person, they're, they're stable, they're on top of their things. But the question I want to ask is, how do you go from the struggling to the stable to, to this person, somebody who's actually surrendered? And here's a picture. Okay, so what does God have to say about what I do with this and what I do with that? And am I willing to hear what he has to say? That's what this series is about. So wherever you are, I think this will be a help to you. And the goal of this isn't to beat you up, to make you feel bad. We're not going to be, you know, everyone throw your wallet in. That's the last week. We do that on the, <laughs> you're just waiting and you're at church. Like, where, where's that part? Last week of the series. I'm just, we'll never do that. But it's, you know, that's, you just, you start talking about money and we're all, uh, you guys make that noise? <laughs> Oh, goodness, we get, it's, it's consuming, it's stressful. But the Bible actually has a lot of great perspective, and so that's what we're going to dig into. We're going to look at what the Bible has to say. So here's some next steps. I want to invite the band up. We're going to close out our service. They're going to sing a song. We're going to receive our offering in a moment. Uh, the connection card that you begin to fill out, if you've not yet filled that out, uh, go ahead and do that. Just take it out. You can start filling out right now. Don't mind the noise of that. Finish filling that out. If you have prayer requests, please let us know how we can pray for you. But I want to just end with some next steps that you can take. Uh, you may want to memorize Proverbs eleven twenty five. That's just a great verse to keep in mind, some perspective. Uh, that's there on your handout if you need to see that. Uh, the second is pray and ask God for a new heart. You may be struggling. You may be overwhelmed. You may have never even thought about this before. What does God have to say about this area of my life? So I may just, God, I... I want a new heart. I don't want to keep experiencing what I've experienced. So you may want to pray that. And then the third is come back next week and invite somebody. So is there somebody that you think they, they really want to experience the generous life? They really do. So you may want to invite them. And then here's a save the date. This is like way ahead in the future, but we're going to be doing a getting traction with your money a finance seminar coming up on December 7th. Uh, part of what we want to do at Ridgeview is on a Sunday morning, there's perspective, and we open up the Bible and we look at the truth. There's times also where we need a little bit more like my own situation, here's what I'm dealing with, and I need help. And so last year, we did a seminar on parenting just to help parents, and we'll continue to do those. But we also want to do one on related to finances because we know that sometimes we just need help to figure out, okay, I know I'm struggling, but, but what do I do? I know I'm stable, but how do I get to surrender? And so we'll be kind of covering those things. So we'd love to have you there for that. Uh, save the day. Once again, really glad you guys are here. Thanks for, for being here. If I've not met you yet, I'm going to be by the info table as the service uh, wraps up. One last thing I forgot to mention. Uh, we're getting the word out about our movie night coming up this next Friday. We have door hangers. We're like a door hanger church. We love putting door hangers up everywhere. And there's a lot of people at this church who've come from door hangers. And so these are our ways to extend invitations to our service, to our events. And so if you're in this area in North Fontana and you want to invite people in your neighborhood, we've got stacks of door hangers. And it's just a way you just walk on the doors. You can interact with your neighbors, but you put it on the door and it's just an invitation that they can see. And so if you'd like to do that, we need help just spreading the word. Uh, yesterday we passed out over 2,000, which is we got to 2,000 doors. 
uh, I have 5,000 door hangers. So I'm going to come to your house. I just love saying, you know, just getting it all out there. But if, if in all seriousness, if you want to grab a stack, um, please feel free to do that. And you can just pass them out uh, when convenient in your own neighborhood. Well, thanks, guys. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Jesus who calls us forward and gets to our heart, asks us questions, gives us examples, speaks in lessons that cause us to ask the questions, where am I, what am I doing, and why am I doing it? And Father, as we start this series and we talk about money and we talk about the pursuits that we are and our our value and how we measure our value and how we think we get value, it just can cause all sorts of emotions and reflexes. So I, I pray in the middle of all that goes on, the noise, all the things that we know, preconceived notions, God, will you help us to see and think differently? We need that. We need to see and we need to think differently. So God, we ask that you'll do that in our hearts and in our life. In the name of Jesus, we pray.